Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. Ziggy, yes. I'm so glad you're here, Ziggy. And oh, of course, glad to be here. Thomas P. P. is for Patrick. Yes, sir. Dorian. Yes, sir. Man, you guys. You got that down. I know I do. I had to get it right because I didn't want the lawyers to get all upset and start saying things. Well, worse, my mom. Your, oh, your mom would get mad. Yeah, she'd show up. Well, I mentioned lawyers because of legalism. That's our topic today. But uh, but you brought up mom, and my mom was just in here. Yeah. You know, and so see her. as soon as I started talking about it, she was like, she was like correcting me. She you know, <laughs> so I was like, "All right, mom, I did. I watch you. you all, yeah. Can you build your son up? Make me feel good about yeah. myself?" But she was kind of legalistic, is the way I'm seeing it. My mom was kind of a Pharisee. She had all those rules when we were growing up. No, seriously. You're I mean, trying to score some points today, aren't you? <laughs> I was like, "This." She won't listen to She's this. She's not show. here now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but it's like you know, if like you're growing up, you know, you have to brush your teeth. You've got to go to bed by eight o'clock. I don't know what time your bedtime was, Tom, but it was obviously rules. way too late. All those rules. Right, rules. Clean your room. Right. Yeah. There was just one thing after another. Eat your vegetables. You can't talk to that person. I mean, it just seemed like growing up, you might want to look at your mom and go, like, you're a Pharisee. Of course, right. that probably wouldn't go over well. <laughs> no. Sam, I'm just thinking maybe that wouldn't be received in the you know generous way it was meant. <laughs> maybe it would be received in that way. So, uh, you know, here's the thing. We're talking about legalism today, and it's like, what is that, and why should we even talk about it? And, Tom, I'm going to be honest with you. This was not on my radar, but our random topic generator, Ziggy, Ziggy. Rodriguez, said we've got to talk about Ziggy. legalism. Yeah. And so, obviously, he has got some kind of you know issue about legalism that he wants to get off his chest and make a public confession to everyone. Sam, is that what's going on here? <laughs> I think so, yes. <laughs> no, so, so tell me why you... Why do you think legalism is important? Why would we even discuss it? Maybe first we should talk about, like, what is it? Right. So I think that's a great point. I think legalism, the way I think of it, is it's a reduction of God and a reduction of the Christian faith and the Christian experience to uh, a series of rules, to checking off the boxes. I, and I think that legalism can skew our look, our, how we see God, how mm-hmm. we see one another, how we see ourselves, how we see our faith life, how we see salvation. I think it can get a lot of stuff wrong. And I think that a lot of times people, when they walk away from the Catholic faith, it's because they don't really understand what they're walking away from. And it's because I think sometimes they feel like, gee, there's just so many boxes I have to check. Yeah, so many rules. So mm-hmm. many rules. It's all about the rules. And, and, and everyone's got rules. There, there are all kinds of rules. But it can become this thing where I remember growing up, you know, there's, there's seven sacraments. And I thought in my mind that if I just got four of them, that was like more than 50%. I'm going to heaven, right? Check off the boxes. <laughs> right. right. And so I thought, well, because that essentially becomes kind of a legalism it's like if we do these things then this is going to happen mm-hmm. this will be the result and, and when that result is intended to be salvation it can be very problematic absolutely and i think ultimately you know to saint thomas aquinas one of the great ways he's guided our church is with that uh, phrase that virtue is in the middle uh, mm-hmm. very aristotelian approach as always 
And he, uh, he was referring actually to a Twinkie at that point. I think. Is that, <laughs> that cream filling in there the is cream the, filling is the virtue, yes. or, or the center of a Cinnabon. Oh you know, you know, cinnamon roll. The best parts that gooey center. Yeah. I'm just saying that's a that's that's Thomas Aquinas at work right there. I agree. <laughs> I'm just trying to appeal to 98 percent of my audience because that's right. where I would be. <laughs> anyway, did I derail you? I'm so no, sorry. No, not at all. It's merely to say I think that on one hand we can have the uh, the, the, the proclivity to say, ah, too many rules, I want to throw them all away and not pay attention to it. Well, there is a reason that there are rules in place. And having a healthy understanding of the law and under, under, a healthy understanding of why there are rules without falling into legalism, I think that's really the balance to strike. And don't you think that, I mean, this is not like this is the first time this has been discussed. I mean, certainly in the New Testament, we, we, we read but Paul, his whole world seems to be focused on this this concept of the works of the law and who he was talking to and he's talking to the so the pharisees and the sadducees and the scribes and they're they're not because he was one right right and and you know that uh i think the word pharisee i think where it actually comes from it means like the separated ones mm. right we're we're over here we're we do we do better than other people because we we know the law we know every iota of the law and down to the very very uh, great detail which would mean that we would know enough that we could find the loopholes we could do what we needed to do without having to you know um uh, really understand the spirit of the law and what the mm-hmm. law was intended and what it meant and so you have these 613 laws of Moses, the works of the law, and there were Jews that essentially believed that you had to keep those laws, and that's what made God happy, and therefore, um, that's what you had to do. That was it, mm-hmm. right? And if you kept those laws, you made God happy, you were in the pool of salvation. Right? Yes. You were swimming in the pool of salvation at that point, whereas Paul's saying, no, right? You, 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 if you don't understand the spirit of the law then why do you even keep it? Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't make any sense. And and we can get in that same... I, I love, you know, what this all really comes down to in a, in a modern way is faith versus works, right? We, we talk about this a lot with our separated brothers and sisters who who will talk about um, the Catholics maybe in, in terms of works righteousness. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we're trying to work our way to heaven. We're trying to... We're, trying, we're praying enough rosaries. If it's like 857,933 rosaries, right? You've got to pray that many, and that's how you get into heaven, which, of course, we don't believe as Catholics. Right. But the reason why we're doing this show is because there are probably plenty of Catholics who do get a little caught up in legalism, in, in, in the concept of following the rules, Right now, I'm not telling people not to follow the rules. Otherwise, I'll get lots of letters. Right. right. Don't start chewing gum during Mass and don't just not go to Mass. Well, Deacon Jeff said, we don't have to follow the law anymore. It's like, no. Because even Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. He's the fulfillment of the law. Yes. Right? And so that's different. So how do we, uh, what, what, Sam, how do we have legalism problems now? How, how does that show up in someone's life? Well, it's interesting. uh what comes to mind, I heard a talk by a, a per- person fairly recently within the past year or so, and uh, he actually extended it to uh, a broader discussion of a problem within our culture. He said, we uh, no longer really think of ourselves as human beings, but as human doings. We define mm. ourselves by what we do, and we've lost touch with what it means to be. And Wow. And I think that's that... a great line. It's beautiful. <laughs> and I think that... Uh, you know our faith our christian faith you know jesus christ if the law was what was intended to save us then the 10 commandments would have been enough 
right? The law that God gave the Israeli people would have been enough, and it would have just been a matter of promulgating the law. But Jesus took on flesh to step into the muck of our human existence, to step into those gray areas. And ultimately, he wants to step into our individual lives, and he wants to he wants to incarnate himself, incarnate love within our lives. So are there doings that are required of us that we are called to do? Yes, but they are to be a fruit of a being born of his heart and that God desires to change our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so I think that that's the proper connection between the being and the doing is that the doings are supposed to be a fruit of the being. But if you're just checking off boxes... You're kind of skipping over that interior transformation process. That's right. Well, you're important. losing the faith component. Yes. Right. Ultimately, and that's if we look at uh, uh, St. Paul's letters, uh, letter to, to to Ephesus, right? So the Ephesians in the second chapter, which is an oft quoted verse that's supposed to, you know, trip up Catholics a little bit, mm. right? Because it says, "For by grace you have been saved through faith." Now. We'll just note that here um, it was Martin Luther who added the word alone to the end of that particular statement, uh, faith alone. But we, but that's not what's in the text. But for, that's for another show. Yes, for another show. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. Right? And so when we hear that, and then, you know, my protestant friend will say to me see you you can't work your way into heaven it's not anything that you did which i'll agree to Mm -hmm. but i always ask them to read uh verse nine right that stops there but if if you read verse nine and ten if you read the end of that it says for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them so in other words, you can't separate the faith and the works. Mm. And that's why Catholics have this beautiful theology of faith and works, right? The being and the doing. Because St. James says end. if you're just doing, or if, you, if you're just being and you're not doing, so the one that sits there and that sort of, the, the, the guy that meditates on the mountain, you know, with, you know, with lighting the incense and, and has separated himself from this terrible world, and he does nothing to help the, the suffering and the, and the problems and the issues. He does, he's not doing anything. He's just being, well, he's not in a good place with God. Because we're called to, to do, but at the same time, that balance Right, Thomas Aquinas would talk about that balance between the being and the doing, and so you want to be a doer and a beer, right? <laughs> not just a beer or not just a doer, right? Because the doer, and this is where we get in trouble. The legalism comes into to play a lot when people will judge others based on how much they do and what they've done. Mm-hmm. I remember a lady telling me a story about her parish, and they were having a little meeting, you know, down in the, the in the meeting hall, you know, some kind of issue or problem, and they were the pastor was looking for everyone's input, and this one lady got up and said something, and then another lady got up and said, well, I don't know why she would li- we should listen to her, because she doesn't even hold hands at the Our Father. You know, and you stop and think about that, <laughs> which which could be a whole you know theological discussion. Should we be holding hands at the Our Father in the middle of Mass? But the right. but the point of that is, she was seeing that person's non doing of a certain thing, some work of the law in her mind, and that's how she was judging the character of that person, the the morality of the and and the worthiness of that person to speak. It sort of reminds room. me of the Pharisee and the publican uh, parable with the the mentality of the Pharisee saying. Uh, 
where he's his view of himself. Well, I, fa- I fast twice a week. I pay all my I tithes. Do, do, I do, 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 do all the things I'm supposed to do. And then he gives thanks to God that God didn't make him like the tax collector. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So you start to realize that can be problematic, right? Yes. Now, um, we have more to talk about with the being and the doing here in legalism. And if you want to find out where you fall on that spectrum of being and doing, you got to stay with us. Uh, we're going to come right back after a break. Before we do that, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Uh, also, what about Facebook and Twitter? Please follow us on our Facebook website. Please like us and uh, please share our posts as well and help get the word out. Yeah, that's a doing thing, right? Oh, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> if it feels so led by if love gonna, to do so. If you're going to do something, do that. <laughs> Also, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. With that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzezemski, and this is another great moment in church history. St. Thomas More was born in London, England in 1478, son of Sir John More, a prominent judge. After receiving a firm grounding in religion and the classics, he decided to follow in the footsteps of his father and pursue a career in law. He studied law at Oxford, where he also continued to pursue his love of Greek and Latin literature. He did well among the elite in the inner societal circles, making many new and influential friends, including both bishops and scholars. But he also became a man torn between his father's world of civil service and his eternal father's world of the church. In fact, he submitted himself to the discipline of the Carthusian monks living at a nearby monastery, and he seriously considered joining their order. St. Thomas's desire for the religious life was finally overcome by his greatly felt calling to serve the common good through governance and politics. But his devotions to prayer, fasting, and penance would remain with him and serve him well the rest of his life. He became a barrister and was soon headed for Parliament, where he became known as fair-minded and impartial, and a friend to the poor. After several years of successful service, St. Thomas More caught the eye of King Henry VIII. St. Thomas garnered the King's favor and was made Speaker of the House of Commons, then eventually Lord Chancellor. All was going well for St. Thomas when his meteoric rise to prominence came to an abrupt halt. Unfortunately, King Henry sought permission from the Pope in Rome to divorce his wife Catherine of Aragon and marry his new love, Anne Boleyn. St. Thomas, well-versed in church law and devoted to her teachings, knew that the king's sacramental bond to Catherine was indissoluble and refused to endorse the king's plan. When the king severed ties with the universal church and decreed himself to be head of the church in England, St. Thomas More resigned his post. He was eventually imprisoned in the Tower of London, along with his friend John Fisher, the only Catholic bishop who had refused to acknowledge King Henry VIII as the new head of the church. The two men were tried for treason and put to death within days of each other. Before he was beheaded in 1535, St. Thomas More quietly said, I die the king's good servant, but God's first. St. Thomas More is the patron saint of lawyers. His feast day is June 22nd. I'm Bess Drzezemski, and this is another great moment in church history.
Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting here with Thomas P. Dorian and Sam Ziggy Rodriguez, and we are talking about legalism. Yes. Right? Legalism, is it's a, it's a term that I think that a lot of people just associate with lawyers, and that's why it was good that we did just now our break. My wife, Bess, spoke about St. Thomas More, patron saint of lawyers. Perfect. Yeah, and so we uh, we have to pay by the quarter hour, and we have to pay our lawyer's bill. But uh, <laughs> So this idea of legalism is something that's a little more common today, I think, than we would want it to be. Mm-hmm. But it's not, as we've talked about in the talk about in that previous segment, it's not something that's like really just brand new, right? Mm-hmm. Paul was wrestling with it. Jesus was talking about it because that's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes were all about, right? The 613 laws of Moses, mm-hmm. right? And I think we talked a little bit about the idea that there's this balance between how much you should do and how much you should be or or faith, right? Faith versus works, et cetera, et cetera. So, Tom, you, you know, where you always have your, your most brilliant moments is in bet- when we take the break. You're right. Like, you know what we should have talked about? That's your, <laughs> those are your shining moments. And nobody gets to hear it. Right. And, and you started talking about something that's actually quite profound, and that is... Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you mentioned the word relationship. So right. expand, help me understand what you were saying there. Well, that's what Christ is after. He's after a relationship with us, I think. And uh, we're after a relationship with him. And then ultimately, he wants us to have a relationship with each other. And so, if you're caught up in legalism, you're really missing the point of that relationship. Yeah, you end up you end up having a relationship with the law, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Which and you and you miss the whole point. It's like you're you're so fixated on how many of these and when you did that and whether you were allowed to do that because of the certain day, right? And whether you mixed this kind of thing right. with that kind of thing, and, and and all of a sudden you stop communicating, you stop right. stop living, you stop being. Your, uh, intent, your intent could even be good too. You could want to, you know, really provide somebody with something that they need that, you know, hopefully builds that relationship. But if you're focusing on that something, you miss the whole point. Right. And so often Jesus would would use, a, um, you know, living examples like he would, you know, they got mad at him for plucking wheat off of the plant mm, on right. the Sabbath. Right. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, well, how dare you? You're, you know, you're you're farming, you're. You know, you're doing works on the Sabbath day. You're supposed to be resting. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus says something very interesting there. And he essentially says that, you know, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. Yes. You know, what does that mean, Sam? Well, that God's not bound by the law. The Sabbath was made for God. It wasn't that God was made for the Sabbath. And I think that one of the things that can happen when we fall into legalism is we can reduce God, as you were saying, to that set of boxes that are, need to be checked, so to speak. Right. And at that point, and, and sometimes it can come from a place of, of fear and uncertainty as well, saying, gosh, as long as I know that I've checked off these boxes, I can feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. And if someone hasn't had an authentic encounter with the living God, then at that point, that's their experience for what religion is, is checking right. off those boxes. Yeah, God becomes the boxes. Yes. Well, he becomes the actions. He becomes the law. God becomes the law. And that's a major problem, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got uh, some people, whenever I teach a baptism prep class, invariably there's a conversation about, well, okay, so we are going to do all this stuff. We're going to step through all these um, uh, processes and how the baptism works and the theology of it. And, and but what happens if in the preparation for the baptism, if our child dies, a tragedy mm-hmm. strikes, mm-hmm. does that baby go to hell? Right, mm-hmm. right. And you hear this a lot. I mean, people mm-hmm. because and they don't. They're not. 
And it's not that they're living in fear. They just want to know. Right. Right. And so they start thinking like, well, if the rule is that unless you are born anew from of water and spirit, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Those are Jesus's words. Right. And if he says that, what happens if my child is not born anew, as Catholics understand that that to mean baptism? What if there is no water in the spirit? Mm-hmm. What happens? You know, and this is exactly why um, the church has helped us to see the great wisdom and certainly the mercy of God to say, look, do you not believe that God is the Lord of the, he's the Lord of the Sabbath? Mm-hmm. Yes. God makes the rules. He doesn't have to abide by them. And if he's a God of mercy, he loves that child. He knows what that child needs. And so we don't want to get caught up in, well, technically he wasn't baptized. This is why the church, we have things like baptism by desire. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? So that, it, you know, if the parents are preparing for baptism and their goal is, you know, essentially becomes an intercessory baptism for that child. You know, I'm as I'm listening to this, what comes to mind is, you know, imagine for a second you happen upon a time capsule in your backyard that, let's say, a grandfather or a parent who since has passed away left in the hopes that one day his child or grandchild would find. And you open up that time capsule and you see a list of fatherly or grandfatherly wisdom that's there to be passed on to you. Now, I'm sure that there's great wisdom there and something to be really cherished and really treasured on that personal level. But there's a difference between that, which is uh, words left behind by someone who's passed away, right? versus the law, which, you know, it, it was given to us by a God who continues to live today. He is a mm. living God, and he exists outside of time, but he desires to still live in history to this day and live within your heart and live within my heart and Tom's heart and everybody's heart and to encounter the concrete realities of our existence. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so the law, the, the thing that's more, most important is the fact that God is still alive to this day and breathing life into our hearts. And the life of the law is love because God is love. Mm, that's beautiful. Amen. Now, again, you're going to have a lot of people listening, and we need to kind of spend a few minutes here and talk about the f- the fact that we we don't ignore the law. No, and we can't ignore the law because that when it, it becomes problematic, certainly. And if you look at the history of salvation, you look at God's relationship with man from the very beginning. The very first thing He did was make a rule: mm. don't eat the fruit of that tree. Right. Right. He didn't just say anything goes, and it's all about love. Because if you end up living your life that way, now that turns about you. You don't. You're not living in God's love. You're living in your own love. You're right. Self desire and self fulfillment, and it becomes selfish. Right. I want what I want and the way I want it. Because certainly God would want me to have that. Mm-hmm. So if you if you abolish all rules, all regulations, all laws, all hierarchy, all order, well now you have chaos mm-hmm. because you have multiple uh, truths or understanding. You have moral relativism. You have all these different things that are problematic. So there is a necessary law of God. Yes. Right? We can look at the law of nature. Right? We can look at natural law and realize that nature operates under certain laws. Yes. And we need to work within those laws. And certainly still the Ten Commandments are still valid. And they were there for good reason. That's exactly go back to the beginning. And I, I don't want to tell my mom she's a Pharisee. And she's really <laughs> not a Pharisee because she's got good reasons Right. To teach me how to be a, a productive member of society by not doing stupid things. And ultimately make you happy as well. Exactly right. No, you're exactly right. So then it's only once you have that sort of structure 
right? That law, that rule, and you understand the spirit. I mean, the purpose of it is for what, Tom, you talked about at the beginning of this segment, and that is relationship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is to put us in a right relationship with God. And, and so when we get each other as, as well, well, exactly. Well, God gave us the, the twofold right, commandment, right, right? You know, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? Well, right. it's love God love with all God. your heart. It's all mind strength, right? Oh, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Where you can't have one or the other. Mm-hmm. Can't love God and hate your neighbor. Can't love your neighbor and hate God. You've got to do both of them, mm-hmm. right? And so that you start to see the dynamics, but it's all about relationship. Following God, loving God, and we exhibit that through our interactions with our neighbors. So there's this healthy um, coordination between faith and works, between being and doing, mm-hmm. between be, be, between who God is calling us to be and how we actually live that out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm reminded I had so my reversion experience occurred like October 2011 was when I really started giving my life over to God, and there was a rough patch from around December 2013 through the summer of 2014 where I was really having a hard time living my faith and I was really struggling with a variety of sins and I was really just letting those sins really govern my life and it was one of those periods where I really felt like my the rug was pulled out from under me and my mm. walk with God and I really had a hard time knowing what to make heads or tails of in my faith life. But I had in the summer of 2014, it hit me that despite the fact that I was making all these choices ordered around sin, did I really doubt that God existed? No. And did I really doubt that God loved me? And I, no, I didn't doubt it. And I realized, wait a second, I don't think that because I'm violating all of these things that I have the power over God's heart, to, to change his heart for me. All I'm doing is I'm hurting myself, yeah. ultimately. And what I realized was that the passage, once that came to that realization, the passage that was on my heart was, we love because God loved us first. That's beautiful. And that if is. I'm going to let God love me, just I let that, let that love in at that point, and I felt God just saying, Sam, just let me love you. Just let me love you. And then once I really grew in certainty of that love, I was able to finally let go of those sins and give a life to respond to that love Mm -hmm. and loving him and loving neighbor again. So, well, so we've got a lot of stuff we've covered. Just don't be legalistic. It's not about checking the boxes. It's about loving Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus. And you know, one of the best ways we can do have a relationship with Jesus to have a relationship with his mother. Yes. She's going to lead us to him, right? Let's ask for her intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.